0: Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside
2: the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Dr. Emek Blair, and he is founder of Puffin Hemp and Cell G8 Technologies. We're going to talk a little bit about the research they've been doing, the insight they have, the products they developed around cannabis and cannabinoids and, and the applications and effectiveness thereof. I always love the science behind cannabis just because it's uh, it's few and far between, unfortunately, because um, of the legal situation. We, we haven't had a lot of research in cannabis uh, and its effectiveness and how it works, um, both for the, the medical side and the adult use side. And so I'm always fascinated to talk with folks that actually are in this space, learning more, developing insights so that we can better understand how it works, how to use it, uh, how to Make it effective. With that, Emic, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
2: Yeah. So I always love starting with backgrounds, uh, how people got into what they're doing, how the people got into cannabis. What's the backstory? What was your What was your background? How did you get into the work that you're doing today?
3: So you know, I had I got my PhD at University of California in Irvine, in right around 2006, and I was studying lipids and enzymes in your liver and how your body kind of takes up nutrition or doesn't take up nutrition, right? And, and why that's, that's occurring. Yeah. So In 2009, 2010, you know, uh, in the cannabis explosion that occurred here in Colorado, where I live, it was done very haphazardly. And you'd go to a dispensary or to a marijuana grow and day to day at the exact same place, the product would be completely different. And really, one of the things that chemists are good at is standardizing, right? How do you do the same thing every day, day in, day out? And because I was naturally interested in this, and not just in the the recreational side, but really the medicinal side and kind of seeing what potential and what promise can be fulfilled with cannabis, I started approaching a lot of these dispensaries and being like, listen, guys, let me ask you just one simple question. When you guys clean a room, what do you do? And I'd be in a room with the three owners, and they'd give me six or seven different answers. <laughs> so i like, listen, if I've got three guys, and they're giving me seven different answers, that's very indicative of why we're in the state that we're in. And that is that, like I said, day to day, the product consistency was completely different. Yeah. So I kind of came in, and and I'd work with these dispensaries, I'd work with these grows and start being like, okay, this is how we add bleach to water to mop the floor, and, and start at the very, very basics. And then Write down the procedure of okay. Day one, this is the fertilizer regimen on day one. Then this is what you do day two, day three, day four, and just proceduralize everything. And it was a lot of fun. It was really, really exciting. Nobody else was doing this, and you know, after six, seven, eight months, the products start being very, very consistent. Right, where you knew every single time if you grew genetic A and you follow the procedure, the end result is the same. And I would kind of go around Fort Collins and, you know, the, the larger, you know, Denver area and just talk to people and start providing manuals and things like that. And that's how I really got into it. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah but really that, that, was, that policy and procedure standardization, SOPs, as we like to say.
3: Yep, exactly. So that was step one in what I really wanted to do. Right. Because first you had to have standardized, normal, consistent material so you could go and then study what does this do to the human body, right? Because without having the same cannabis, every time I did a human clinical study, I'd get different results because, you know, the input was inconsistent. Yeah. That brought me to when I started puffing hemp, puffing like the bird, mm-hmm. back in, you know, about five, six years ago. And now that we had good standardized, both hemp and marijuana, we could start providing this to people. We could go to institutional review boards and show them that we had consistent material, and we're going to do a human clinical study to really understand some of the basics that, um, that were going on. Just ask the most basic, basic questions we could because the prohibition on cannabis had prevented us from doing any research at all up until, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Like, what, where did you start? Like, when, when you once you had the ability to actually do the research, started asking some of these questions, what were the first things that you began to research?
3: So, the first question I asked was, if a human takes cannabis every day for a month is it safe what what would happen to my mm-hmm. cholesterol what would happen to my lipid levels in my blood what would happen to my liver enzymes right so basically if i took the blood panel that you get when you get your annual physical mm-hmm. what would happen over 30 60 90 days if i took cannabis every single day right and we actually started off with uh, hemp rather than cannabis so because, you know, making somebody take cannabis every day may interfere with their life. <laughs> but hemp Potentially. It doesn't get you high. Yeah. So it, that was a lot easier to convince the institutional review board that like, look, we're not getting the subjects high. They can go to work. They can drive a car. It's not a big deal. So, so they approved that. And we found some really fascinating thing that if you took cannabinoids from hemp, right? So low THC, high in the other cannabinoids, every single day, you got healthier. Right, And in 30 days, it wasn't like amazing what happened, but your liver enzymes got a little bit better. Your lipid levels got a little bit better, just a little bit everywhere, right? Or nothing happened. So, you know, growing up and being the age I am, that is different, very different from what I was trained to think, which is I was going to (laughs) die, right? Um, You know, in in seventh and eighth grade, we we saw those videos, like I, I smoked cannabis once, and now I'm in a loony bin and, uh, you know, my whole life is ruined, yeah. right? So we found out is it's pretty benign. Nothing really happens to you, positive or negative, except for one interesting thing that occurred is there was, you know, we're, we're in the United States mm-hmm. and unfortunately, every single person that filled out the questionnaire, are you healthy? Perfectly healthy. Everything's great. Well, it turned out that half of the subjects were diabetic or pre-diabetic right? So they had very, very elevated fasting blood sugar level. Mm-hmm. What we found out was within 30 days, we don't understand the mechanism, but what we do know is that within 30 days, everybody's blood sugar levels were normalized, right? So they went from above normal, like right, so the high, the, the risk area, the, the pre-diabetic and the diabetic range mm-hmm. to completely within the normal range. And it happened incredibly fast. I mean, there was a subject that dropped over 40 points, which is incredible. And what's interesting about it is we went back to customer response, right? So anytime anybody who's tried our product, calls, emails, texts, whatever, communicates with with my company to give feedback, we log it, right? Whether it's, I hate the flavor or I've never felt so good in my life to, you know, everything in between. What we found out was we should have expected this. We should have anticipated this because a lot of people were calling up and saying, hey, my... A1C levels have dropped. A1C is one of the main indications for diabetes, right? For blood markers for diabetes. So of course, that started up a whole lot of new questions. Well, okay, so if in 30 days, people's blood sugar is normalized, we've gotten other data that we can't include in the study, but we've received it, that it improves A1C. Mm -hmm. So now our new endeavor is to dig down deep and figure out why is this occurring? Is this occurring consistently, right? Because yep. we have a small people. If I expand the pool of people to 500 that all have high blood sugar or diabetes, what's gonna happen?
2: And this is just hemp? You're not doing anything with THC on this?
3: This is full spectrum, so it's below 0.3%. Okay. So point, you're you're below having p- hemp. got it, legal hemp. And, and, yes.
2: what, and what mode, like how were you actually administering? What were people doing with it? What was the, the actual
3: study design? So the study design was 10 milligrams of CBD, with other minor cannabinoids once daily in the morning. And we actually used our, like a lipid delivery system, like a liposomal lipid delivery system okay. uh, to ensure that they were absorbing.
2: Okay. All right. So you, you, you were pretty confident that people, that it was actually getting ingested
3: in, and into the body. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because before this, we had actually done another study that looked at, well, how well, when you eat yeah. a cannabinoid, how well does it absorb? Yeah, Does it absorb at all? And what we saw is that there's a lot of people, roughly about half the people out there, that when they take just 10 milligrams of a cannabinoid, they don't absorb any of it or a very minute amount that we couldn't detect in a, any reliable form.
2: And why was that? Just their, their gut like biology or genetics? Or what was the variegating part of that?
3: So there's uh, a variety of reasons that people won't be able to absorb things like uh, cannabinoids. And one of them is, yeah unhealthy digestive system. Yeah. And once again, you know, living in the United States, living in many places in the world, because we don't get enough of the raw fruits and vegetables and things that basically put good bacteria or help feed the good bacteria in your stomach, yeah. help regulate your digestive tract, many of us just just have a hard time absorbing nutrition. So even when we do get... Highly nutritive food, with vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and things like that that our body needs, we just pass it right through our body. We're not able to bring it into our blood and and utilize it in any meaningful way.
2: Mm. So that right off the bat, half the population is is probably not absorbing the majority of what they're ingesting.
3: (laughs) Yep, and and (laughs) over my years, you know, like we're just talking about about hemp here and cannabis. But I've been doing this research on vitamin C and vitamin B12 and minerals and stuff like that long before I started doing any human clinical trials on cannabinoids. Um, yeah. So we've been seeing this time and time and time again, where some people are just have very, very difficult time absorbing their nutrition. Yeah, And you could see also, not only do they have a hard time absorbing regular nutrition, even when you use something to help enhance the absorption, their body still, you know, isn't quite as good yeah. as somebody who... So it turns out if you're healthy and you can absorb regular nutrition very well, you can absorb these other forms very, very well. If you can't absorb regular nutrition very well, you can absorb the liposomes and high absorption type product better, but still not as good.
2: Yeah, which unfortunately so, is, is, those are the people that eat it the most.
3: <laughs> that's exactly right. So, so those are the people that really have to concentrate and and eat a lot of those good prebiotics. Yeah. The prebiotics is the food, that allows your good bacteria in your stomach to grow, yeah. right? So you want to feed the bacteria you already have in your stomach that's healthy. Yeah,
2: interesting. So the study you did with the with the hemp, lowering blood sugar levels, because why did it do it? What was your understanding of, of what was actually going on inside people's body chemistry to make that, have that
3: impact? So your body's chemistry is very, very complicated, and I'm gonna oversimplify it, uh, yeah. for because of this conversation, you know, <laughs> how much time we have. Yeah. But basically the, the simple way to think about it is that cannabinoids are the master regulators for your body, right? Your endocannabinoid system really is on its own, doesn't do a ton, but what it really does is it controls other systems, right? So it controls your endocrine system. It controls your cardiovascular system, mm-hmm. right? Right. So it's the driver, you know, it's the driver of the car and this car is called your heart and your blood vessel, right? Mm -hmm. It's the driver of the car and this car is called your brain and nervous system, (laughs) right? So very, very important, right? And it upregulates or downregulates. And what all the research is telling us is that what these cannabinoids do is they don't per se turn something up or turn something down. They bring it to normal right? So things that are too low that needs to be higher, it brings up. And things that are too high that needs to be lower, it brings down. It's like a master regulator kind of thing, governor. It's, it's, it's about homeostasis, yeah. right? It's about where your body wants to be. And that's what's so important about this. You know, from a historical perspective, if you look at mankind, humans, I'll say humankind,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and hemp, cannabis, marijuana, etc., we have been in partnership and co-evolving for thousands and thousands of years, right? Hemp has been our, the food that we feed our cattle and our chicken that then we eat. It's where we used to get our cooking oil from. It used to shelter us. It's what we build, build ships out of mm-hmm. between the sails, the ropes, et cetera. We were together for thousands and thousands of years. We were eating it and our bodies became dependent on it. Mm-hmm. And Over the last two to three generations, we've been separated, and that has caused some significant health issues, right? I mean, there's this phenomenal book called The Botanies of Desire where it tracks other things like mankind and the potato, right? I mean, if you think about it, (laughs) you could be in Thailand, in China, in the US, in Africa, in Australia, and have a potato. Potatoes came from Latin America, right? All potatoes came from from Latin America, but the whole world has them because mankind has grown dependent on it and, and we coexist yeah. the same thing with apple you could be anywhere in the world and be eating an apple right hemp is just like a potato it's just like an apple it's something that mankind has lived with for so long which is crazy how we've gone to where we are today that we're reintroducing and it's almost to a lot of people it feels foreign that they're taking hemp where a hundred years ago it'd be crazy if you weren't taking hemp
4: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly
2: Forbidden and almost required.
3: That, that's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, and and the U.S.'s uh, history with hemp is, you know, between our paper requirements of growing hemp for landowners, et cetera. Anyway, yeah. So what happened is this essential, critical element from our diet has been removed. This this essential element of our lives has been removed, and our bodies are having a more difficult time self-regulating, and that's really why people's blood sugar became normalized again. It's because the body had the tools it needed to to self-normalize.
2: Got it. And so that's why the blood sugar was adjusting is because that's the effect of of taking the hemp was that it was it was helping the body find a new normal homeostasis of blood sugar levels. And and is this I guess what else was going into to actually making that happen? It was it just taking the hemp or were there other factors that go into you know that, that being
3: effective? So we definitely used our uh, delivery technology, this liposomal delivery technology, to yeah. get the hemp into the blood and ensure that throughout the entire subject pool, the CBD, the hemp, the cannabinoids were all absorbed uh, on a normalized way, right? But other than that, no, it was just uh, organic Colorado hemp extract that's grown 45 minutes from from where I live, mm-hmm. right? And that's it, nothing else. I mean, that's what was really surprising about this. When we did this study, our anticipation was we would see no results, right? And when I say no results, that nothing would happen. Yeah. Your blood sugar is at 10 when you start and it's at 10 point plus or minus a couple percent, but nothing would happen over 30 days. Yeah. This was shocking. I mean, when I saw these results, I was I was completely shocked and surprised by it. But- you know, in science, you open up a door and you realize there's a whole other world out there that now you need to understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and it's good. So so these studies, uh, you know, one got published, uh, peer reviewed in, in November, the other one got published uh, just a couple weeks ago in March. Mm-hmm. And we're continuing to do more and more research in that area. The other thing that could have possibly caused the blood sugar to go down, and this is a study that where in the process of writing up and getting published is on inflammation. So what we saw is that when we took mm. human cells that are, respond to inflammation in a Petri dish, so this was in a human clinical study, this was you know, in, in the science lab. Yeah. We saw that they responded incredibly positively to CBD. And we saw that everything about these cells indicated that their inflammation markers dropped dramatically. So that's the other possibility And, but, but it feeds into the same thing that I was talking about before is that, you know, the body will regulate its immune system accordingly and bring down inflammation. And that's what inflammation is. Inflammation is an overactive immune system.
2: Yeah. 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 And so what do you do with this knowledge, right? So you do this research, you get this, these results. Where do you take that? Like, what's the process for developing products, for helping industry now use this information to create, you know, benefit for consumers? How do you leverage that?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing we do is we actually put it through peer review. So we put it in front of other scientists and get them to criticize us, right? Because we want to know what are the holes in the argument. Once we work through all of that, then what we do is we don't manufacture any kind of drugs. Mm-hmm. We manufacture everything as a food, yeah. fundamentally. You know, Dietary supplement is a more specific category in foods or subcategory in food. Mm-hmm. And so we put the information out there in peer review and we release the product, but we really don't make the connection. What we do is try and use that information to continue refining our formulas and continue refining how to get good, healthy outcomes mm-hmm. from our product. Yeah. So combining
2: it with other things. I mean, you mentioned the whole thing. If this, all of this only happens if someone has a has a decent gut, uh, you know, biome going on and stuff like that. Are you combining this with like probiotics and stuff, or, or prebiotics? How, how do you? No.
3: Yeah. So, so what we do is we combine it with our high absorption delivery system. Yeah. Right. So. It's called Cellgate. Um, it's a version of liposomes. And that's an obvious one, right? So we yeah. saw you know, people with regular, taking regular cannabinoids don't absorb them very well. So we add this delivery system, and now we get 100% of people absorbing some amount mm-hmm. of cannabinoids into their body at high rates. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the one direct link there is we saw people don't absorb. So we provided the delivery system to ensure absorption into the blood because you know there's that old adage, you are what you eat. Yeah. It actually turns out that's not completely true. It's really you are what you absorb, yeah, exactly. right? So you can't get, <laughs> yeah. If you can't get the nutrition into your blood, yeah. you know, you're not really going to do too much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, and so where, and so what are your next kind of um, questions or or things that you're researching, or things that you hope will will develop more insight for better products and you know delivery mechanisms and and healthy impacts for folks?
3: Right. So, from the delivery mechanism side, there's an obvious next step. So, in the cannabis, both the recreational and the medicinal side, Mm -hmm. there's a huge problem, right? And we all. Any of us that know about edibles, we know they're they're double edged sword. Yeah. They're fantastic because there's no smoking. You don't, you know, have to bring anything into your lungs like vaping. Yeah, but there's a downside, and the downside is that some people take up to an hour and a half to feel anything, yeah. and most people take at least forty five minutes to an hour to feel something. And what that causes is is. For people to be like, well, it's been 45 minutes, I'm not feeling anything, I'm gonna take another dose. The moment they eat it, right, we all heard the story. I took the second dose and five minutes later, the first dose hit and then I realized I'm in trouble, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. That's a common story for people out there. So what we've devised is a way of incorporating this delivery system and having people from the recreational or medicinal side take the THC and feel it within a couple minutes. And, you know, the other thing is we're going to provide it in a metered fashion so people can, you know, take one squirt, two squirts or three squirts for a full dose, right? You can take a little bit or you can yeah. take a lot, depending on how much relief you need at that time. Yep. So we're taking this technology and really applying it in ways that are meaningful to people who are using the products, right? And we're trying to solve real problems here where people don't take too much or take so much that they're feeling uncomfortable and you know, the, the typical thing, you know, a lot of people, you know, you'll get anxiety before you get into bed and go to sleep, right? And we want to avoid anxiety, especially during these times where the world's a little bit upside down yeah. and people are feeling a lot of anxiety. And, you know, that's the the next frontier that us in the United States, but human beings worldwide are going to have to face. Uh, with everybody being at home, yeah. you know, their, you know, <laughs> shelter in place, mm-hmm. it's causing people to go stir crazy yeah. which is you know I think a simple way of saying getting very anxious and uh, irritated yeah
2: yeah and the other thing I find is that, you know, now that people are at home, you know, with family, things like that, you know, smoking and vaping is really not, not nearly as much of an option. I mean, you know, the health health kind of COVID concerns aside of, of having things in your lungs, but just the fact that you're going to be cohabitating in close proximity with everyone, it's, you know, doesn't make it easy to to use those formats. So certainly I've seen a lot of movement towards edibles and ingestibles, you know, as part of this process. I,
3: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way it is. But this technology, it lends itself in, in a variety of ways to to solve a variety of real world problems you know you know i was talking about blood sugar that's all part of a completely separate biotech that we're working on because we're going to see if there is a meaningful way that we can reduce this issue through nutrition you know the same thing with some of these other applications that we're looking at they're all like these separate ventures where you get the best team around you and the best people around the world and you all get together and try and you know in a meaningful way solve problems got it yeah
2: and i think that's a smart strategy i mean the thing i always recommend is you know you you need to pick a focus and if you've got multiple businesses or multiple product lines, you know, you have to have teams that are really going to focus just on that thing because you can, you can do anything you want, just not everything you want. <laughs> and you know, if you don't have that focus, you're just not going to be as successful as quickly as you need to be.
3: Yeah. And it's also a matter of realizing I'm not an expert in everything. I, I'm an expert in, in a very specific field, but I have to bring in partners. I've got to bring in other stakeholders that can help guide the process yeah. and bring in the knowledge and experience that I don't have.
2: Yeah, I did a lot of time in the in the tech space, and I certainly found that with, you've got this brilliant technologist, you know, data scientists and things like that, but you move them into leadership roles, and they have to choose, right? Either you're going to be an exceptional leader as a generalist and leading a team, or you're going to be the subject matter expert and you know, trying to do both typically is not very successful, but and it's hard. It's hard in these industries where you've got a lot of science, a lot of knowledge, uh, a domain that is incredibly complicated to absorb, it's tough to be both the subject matter expert and the generalist leader that is pulling together the team. So I have to get smart smart. Exactly. Um, so I know, I know you're uh, doing some work with cancer now. Tell me a little bit about how some of the work you've been doing, research you've been doing, uh, is applying to the field of cancer and what sort of interesting things are happening there for you.
3: So this all began with a phone call that I got from a Stanford uh, scientist, researcher, and he was testing some of my products to see how it affected a, you know, the end terminal part of cancer, which is called cachexia. So cachexia is a difficult word that basically means the weight loss and the wasting away that occurs when you have late stage cancer. But it really actually starts occurring the moment that you get cancer, right? So when you see people who are dying from cancer and they're, they're down to skin and bones, that's from a phenomenon called cachexia. So what we saw is that with our delivery system, plus our formula, and you know some of these formulas also have cannabinoids in them, and we're trying to figure out exactly which one is going to be the absolute most effective, and we're in the process of doing that right now. But what we saw is that in mice, right, and we've done this several times now, that we can reverse the weight loss that occurs. So these mice that are you know, basically dying and losing weight mm-hmm. at very accelerated rates, very, very quickly, they're losing weight. All of a sudden, you see them rebound and start regaining weight again, going back up to their normal weight, right? Yeah. And then what you also see is that for, for the control group, for the mice that weren't on this intervention that we were providing, you know, after a few days, there was no more dots with weights because the mice were dying. So by tapping into the endocannabinoid system, you know, not just with cannabinoids, but there's other ingredients that work with your endocannabinoid system. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm going to go on a slight aside here. And say this that what we're finding out as we're studying the endocannabinoid system time and time again is that drug interaction, like NSAIDs, you know, like the, the regular pain medication that you see, like Advil and Tylenol, et cetera, they work on the endocannabinoid system. We're seeing herbs like ginger, yeah. turmeric, they work on the endocannabinoid system. So you don't need cannabinoids, you don't need hemp or marijuana to positively influence your cannabinoid system and your receptor, okay? So what we're finding is that by tapping into the endocannabinoid system, and we don't understand the mechanism just yet, that's the next step of what we're doing. We're able to have, in, in mice models, them regain weight, them live... The full lifespan that they can. And this, of course, the cancer part is way out of my field. And that's why this is a separate company. It's called Mm Cakexanol. We've put together a team, you know, guys who are experts in the field from Stanford, from Baylor Medical School, from a variety of places around the country. I mean, when you look at our team, it spans (laughs) the whole United States because that's where the best people I knew of are. You know, like in San Diego, we have. uh, uh, a PhD who's an expert in understanding how to maximize these mice models and really make sure that the data that we have is legitimate and meets all the quality requirements. I mean, so, so we're really doing that. And what's interesting about this too is not only what's happening tapping in an endocannabinoid system, but we're enhancing the absorption and the delivery of these ingredients. And that's what seems to make a difference. So we can give somebody a very, very small dose and get a very, very large response, And the reason that's important is that a lot of these ingredients, right? I mean, lots of people have taken a multivitamin and it gives them a stomach, right? A lot of people take something as simple as vitamin C and get, you know, diarrhea basically. Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to deliver these ingredients in a way where the side effect don't undo the positive thing we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, exactly. More harm than good. That's right. Yeah.
2: This has been great. Um, if people want to find out more about the work that you're doing, about the, the different companies you're involved in now, you know, whether it's on the um, uh, on the cancer side or on the uh, hemp side, what, what's the best way to get that information?
3: So the main repository is cellgate.com. So it's C-E-L-L-G and the number com, And that's where we've started putting our studies there's a lot more studies we need to put on there but it's uh, it's a slow process especially in this environment and the other place is cachynol which is c-a-c-h-i-n-o-l and um you know so they can see the mouse studies there and kind of see what the the whole culture and theory behind the company is where it's uh, socially conscious we're going out there it's for profit but the main mission is not the profit it's getting something that into people's hands where it can really help them and uh, give them another chance, you know, at life.
2: Yeah, no, fascinating work. Yeah, I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes here so people can click through and get that information. And like, this has been great. Appreciate your time. You know, fascinating work. I, like I said in the beginning, I think the you know, developing better research, uh, scientific understanding of really what's going on with some of these, um, you know, cannabis uh, products and, and how it's impacting people and and where we can do uh, better, more uh, sort of directed, you know, work and applications and products is going to be significant and, and really important in the coming, uh, you know, the coming years as as this whole industry develops. So I I really appreciate your time today. Hey, thank you so much. This
3: has been a lot of fun.
1: You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business
4: podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.